0: i Have already overcome death, hell, and the grave. Amen. Give him praise Amen. for that this morning, church. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Right now, I just want to say what an incredible honor, honor it is for us to be able to get to worship every Sunday with you all. Amen. And if you were a guest here, we want you to know that it is an incredible honor that you have chosen to come and worship with us this morning as well. And we want you to feel welcome here. If you haven't already been told, we want you to know that you are loved, and we are thankful you are here. And after service, we want to show you how much we care about you and that we're thankful that you're here. We have a gift for you. So if you will, if you're a guest, at the end of service, we'll have probably we'll have Pastor Mike Welburn back here at the back table uh, with his beautiful wife, and we have a gift for you. So if you will, at the end of service, come back here and we'll, we'll, uh, Pastor Mike Welburn will get you a gift and um, just let you know how much you're loved. And if you are with us online, thank you for taking the time this morning to come and worship with us. Y'all, I don't know about you, but I am ready to worship this morning. I'm excited about the, the word that Pastor is going to bring about the victory that we have through Christ alone. Amen. 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 So we're just going to continue As we worship this morning, uh, let's all stand as we continue in worship this morning. And was again. Okay. This morning, but I know this it'd be an impossible world to live in right now if we didn't have the living hope that comes in Christ alone. Amen. 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 Y'all, it's a it's a tough, tough world right now. But but for those who are in Christ Jesus. Says it all the time. The best is yet yeah. to come. See, we don't have a hope outside of Christ. What is? What would hope be without Christ? To live life and just be gone? What would the whole point of living this life be? Why even worry about the turmoil that you have to face day in and day out? But we, as Christians those who have been saved and bought by the blood of the Lamb, (laughs) we have a hope that one day we get to spend eternity at the feet of Jesus, worshiping God Almighty forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So this morning, as we continue in worship, let's sing of that living hope. I am so excited for what is to come. Amen. Look at Church, you can be seated.
1: Oh. Peace.
0: Father, God, I am so incredibly thankful and I am humbled, Father. God, that You, the Almighty, the I Am, Father, saw fit to pull me out of a dark and miry pit, Father, into an eternal peace and an eternal grace with You forever, God. God, we praise You for how You have already moved this morning, God, and we pray, God, that You will continue to speak and move mightily through Your Word. God, as Pastor Mike comes and preaches uh, and acts as a sounding piece for you this morning. We love you, we praise you, and it's in your precious Son's holy and incredible name we pray.
2: Amen, amen. Amen. If you believe Jesus Christ is our victory, give Him some praise this morning. Amen. Where would we be without that? living hope. And I just gotta say, I was sitting here worshiping along with our praise team and you know a lot of larger churches, they pay their musicians, they pay musicians to come and play. These people give out of their hearts the talents and abilities that God has given them and they're as good as any paid band I've ever heard. You believe that? You agree with me on that? Let them know how much we appreciate them, amen. Jesus Christ is indeed our victory, it's so good to be back. In the house of the Lord today, I've been away for a few weeks, and I just want to thank you all for your prayers as my wife and I have survived um, COVID, came out on this side of it, and I've confessed to several of you, I was just a little overly optimistic about this thing. I thought, well, we've been exercising every day since COVID started. We've been taking supplements every day, but it, it's still, it's nothing to sneeze at. It's nothing to sneeze at, and it affects different people in different ways, and so I felt so much better Monday, and I was a moron, I confess that, I exercised on Monday. One of the dumbest things I've done in a long time. My heart started racing, and it's been racing off and on since then, and didn't make it through the day on Tuesday, wound up back at the doctor. But this morning when I woke up, I told my wife, this is the first morning I feel like I've actually felt better since last Monday, and I immediately praised the Lord for the prayers of God's people. I know it's your prayers the reason that I felt better today. Jesus is our living hope. He is our victory. And I'm so thankful for the great victories that we've won for the last two weeks at our church as Brother Bruce, where'd Bruce go? He's probably doing security somewhere. Bruce and the team fed us last week for the the barbecue lunch and that Boston butt, my, my, my. They just kept feeding me some of the bark yesterday when I I said, my wife's gonna wonder why I'm not hungry. Don't you appreciate that? Listen, these men stayed up all night long to make that for us. Aren't you thankful for Bruce and his team of (laughs) servants who prepared that for our church? And I told them when our sound system is improved and things are better, we can hear better, you're going to be able to sit there and know it's because you stayed up all night long and served the Lord the way that you men did. So we're so thankful for you. Well, everybody wants to be victorious. Amen? I know some folks say I talk about sports too much, but listen, it's just what's happening in the world, right? It's what's happening in the world. I went to bed last night. I knew I had to go to bed to be rested for today. Woke about two or three and looked at my phone and I saw that the Braves had won the third game of the World Series, amen, it's all right, it's all right. Good when you got players like Dansby Swanson who keeps a prayer journal every day if you did not know that and testifies of his faith in Jesus Christ. And then of course if you're a Georgia Bulldog fan, 1980 was a long time ago. Can I get a witness in the house? That was a long time ago. So my son said to me several weeks ago, Dad? It almost feels like 1980 and 1995 all rolled up together in one for the dogs and the Braves. But you know what? That's not where our joy comes from. We get happy about it. Everybody wants to be victorious, but when two teams line up to play, only one can be victorious, and Jesus will still be Lord. Could it be this year that we finally get to see that? My great-grandmother, Brown. boy, I I miss—you know, it hit me the other day. I heard the song—what's the song Matt sang at your granny's funeral? I'm drawing a blank. Scars of heaven. I heard that song and I squalled like a baby. I don't know how Matt sang that at her granny's funeral so well, but he did. And it hit me. Probably half of the people I've loved most in my life are already there. They're already in heaven. And I was thinking about my great-grandmother Brown the other day. We made some oatmeal cookies using her recipe. And you know one thing about my great-grandmother Brown, she was a little skinny lady with white hair and little bitty You would never believe it. She loved to watch professional wrestling. It was hilarious that she was an older great-grandmother who loved professional wrestling. You know the thing about professional wrestling? The outcome is already determined before it ever starts. The outcome is determined before it ever begins. It's much like a Broadway production. They put on a show for you, they wanna put on a good show for the crowd, but the outcome is predetermined. So the winner of the match in wrestling, they're not wrestling for victory, they're wrestling from victory. Ladies and gentlemen, is that not true of those of us who claim the name of Jesus Christ? We're not wrestling for victory, we're wrestling from a position of victory, and that's why we can say the best is yet to come. My aunt said, you're not gonna be to talk as fast as you usually do. I can't believe you're preaching. Try to be calm in worship. Matt, I cannot be calm when y'all are up here leading. His leg will not stay still, uh, but I'm, I'm going to do my best to get through today. We, we battle knowing that Jesus Christ has already won the victory. He allows us to go through the, the battles and the wrestling matches of life, if you will, to prove to a lost world that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So those difficult times are going to come. And the Peter, the Apostle Peter was writing to Jude. Jewish. Jewish believers who had been scattered by persecution. And he was telling them this persecution is just temporary because we're wrestling from a position of victory. Now you remember who this dude was? He was the dude who said he would never deny the Lord. But he did. He denied Jesus repeatedly. So the man who wrote this book to the early church and to you and I today is a man who knew something about failure. He's a man who knew something about humiliation. He's a man who knew something about embarrassment, but yet he knew that we can fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, the author and perfecter of our faith, knowing that we have ultimate victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. So take your copy of Scripture, if you will, and turn to 1 Peter chapter number 5. First Peter chapter number five is where we will pick up right here in context. I so appreciate the awesome word from Pastor Josh Johnson last week, so excited about him coming for a long, long time. And Julie and I wanted to be here, and we were COVID negative as of last week, but we were still coughing and just didn't want to make you folks nervous if we came up in here. I thought, well, I can wear a mask. Well, that's just going to make me cough even more as an asthmatic, so so appreciate that. And then two weeks ago, Pastor Andrew jumped in and continued our verse-by-verse study, did an outstanding job, as always in 1 Peter. So today, we arrive at verse number 6. If you're physically able, and I understand if you can't, but you rise and let's give honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 6. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus, the victories in Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you, and He will place you on a firm foundation. All power to Him forever. Amen. Father, we thank You for the inerrant, infallible, and authoritative Word that You have given us. God, we're so thankful that it is just as true today as it was when Peter wrote to that first century church scattered by persecution we thank you and declare once again that Jesus Christ and Jesus alone is Lord of Airline Baptist Church God, I'm so thankful for that faithful group of believers and I believe it was 1847 in the 1800s, who saw fit to establish a lighthouse on this hill in this East Hall community for all of Northeast Georgia. God, we're thankful that Jesus is Lord of this place. And because Jesus is Lord of this place, we declare His Lordship this morning. Every unholy host of hell that would desire to have access or sway in this place, God, I pray you would bind it up and cast it out in the strong name of Jesus. because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world we are here for one reason and one reason only and that is to lift up your name and to give you honor and God you've told us when we do that you'll draw all folks to yourself so Lord I pray today you would encourage the discouraged you would point unbelievers to a saving faith in Jesus Christ And that by the time we walk out these doors and those watching online when it's over, we would all be able to walk in the victory that you have already predetermined and provided for us on the cross and the empty tomb. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. It was two weeks ago that Pastor Andrew began the study here in chapter 5 by reminding us about the grave responsibility of pastors and elders to lead his church, and he talked about the need for the older believers to pour into the younger believers, and it's in that context of of elders and older discipling the younger, it's in that same context, we're continuing here, it's important to always get the context, we see this passage right here. Number one, God expects us to walk in humility, if we are going to have victory in Jesus Christ, Christ, you and I must walk in humility. Look at verse 6 again, "...humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time..." When is that? I don't know. God determines that. At the right time, He will lift you up in honor. At the right time. That word translated, humility, is 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 an amazing word in the original language here. It literally means to be made low, to be fully dependent on the Lord, dismissing reliance upon self and any carnal ego. What would the church in America and the world look like today if we all did that? We put aside carnal egos and personal agendas, and we humbled ourselves before holy God. In fact, we'll never know victory in Jesus until you and I do that. So it's in that context here, chapter 5, Dr. Tony Evans, I refer to him a lot. So that tells you I love and respect Dr. Tony Evans. He says in this context, church congregations must be subject to the elders when they're exercising godly biblical authority, and that takes humility because one sinner— plus one sinner is double trouble. We're all sinners in need of a savior, but God God resists the proud, but he gives grace to us when we are humble. So that's the reason some churches struggle. It's the reason some churches never get off the ground, so to speak. They don't reach their potential because people want to operate under our own agendas instead of under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Humility. You know, I say it all the time. I'm a nobody from nowhere, broken home, mobile home, Cemetery Road, Cordill, Georgia. I say that not for your benefit, but for my benefit. Because when I realize who I am before holy God, I ought to be in hell right now, suffering and burning eternally. But only the grace of God rescued my sorry behind from the fate that I deserve for being a sinner in need of a savior. If you want a good dose of humility, I tell you, pastor of Baptist church, you'll get some real quick. I just had lunch with Pastor David Winger a few weeks ago. If you've not met him or heard of him, he's the new pastor at Hopewell Baptist Church here in town. I'm so excited about Pastor David. I never met him before. I invited him to lunch. We had a wonderful time of fellowship. That church has a bright future ahead of them, I believe, under the leadership of David Winger. When one church in town does well, we all do well. A rising tide raises all ships. Well, I'd love to see every church in Hall County filled with worshipers, filled with people listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ. responding, we're not threatened when other churches are blessed, we're blessed when other churches are blessed. But but David said, Pastor David said this to me, he said, Mike, being a pastor is the only profession really a calling, the only profession where once a week you got to make a major speech in front of the shareholders, and your job and your livelihood depends on what you say every single week. I thought, boy, that's, that's some good stuff right there, because your words get parsed, and your heart gets judged, and people try to assign stuff to you. Man, the only thing you can do is humble yourself in the mighty hand of God, and when you lay your head on your pillow at night, know that you've got a clear conscience before God, otherwise criticism will eat your lunch. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. I love what Paul says to the church at Galatia in chapter 6 and verse 14. He says, as for me, may I never boast about anything, may I never boast about anything except... The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. Nobody's better than anybody else. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. But clearly, Scripture lays out an order for doing things decently, and in order, the Bible says. Several weeks ago, we looked at God's order for the home. Not that the man is any better than the woman, or the woman is not inferior to the man, but there is a divine order that God says, to have order and not chaos this is what you do the same thing he lays out for the church victory in Jesus is dependent upon you and I lining up under the authority and the truth of God's word and it begins with humility number two write this down God expects us to give our anxieties to him God expects us to give our anxieties to him now you're looking at me thinking the same thing I'm thinking. That's a whole lot easier said than done, is it not? A whole lot easier said than done. Verse seven says, "Cast all, give all your worries." One translation says, "Cast all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you." It's easier said than done, but is it possible? Absolutely, it's possible. God wouldn't tell us to do something if he wouldn't equip us to do what he's called us to do. Heard about a man who looked real worried one day and his friend said, dude, you sure to look worried today. He said, man, I got so much to worry about. If one more thing comes on my plate, I can't worry about it until two weeks from now. You know, when we assume the responsibility that we've got to fix everything, when we worry and we fret, we are acting as if God is not in control. We're acting as if God is not the I am that Ben just sang about with the choir verse. He is the great I am. Nothing catches him by surprise. So we got to cast off that worry. Once again, a a, a wonderful word study. That word worry in the original language means this, means a part separated from the whole. Worrying, a part separated from all dividing and fracturing a person's being into two parts. So when we worry ourselves, we literally allow Satan to rip us in two. That's all that worry does, it tears us apart. Is there anybody here today, or watching online, you comment if you want to, is there anybody that can say, Mike, my life was made better because I worried. My situation got better because I worried. Anyone at all? I would love to talk to you if that's the case, but I know it's not true because it defies the truth of Scripture. Don't let anxiety pull us in two or pull us apart. And listen, I'm not telling you this as somebody who gets this wrong. All the time, okay? I mean, not only, you know, COVID is physical, but for me, COVID has been mental. It's been emotional, it's been brain fog. I mean, my son sent us a Larry Munson video two weeks ago at lunch and I started crying and my wife started crying, it's just a football video. I'm like, why are we crying? What is wrong with us? Why are we so emotional? So it's an emotional thing. And when we're weak and we don't feel good, we're subject, I'm getting ahead of myself to the attacks of the devil. We'll get to that in just a minute. So worrying never makes anything better. I would submit to you that worrying is a sin. If I allow myself to keep on worrying, that is nothing but sin. And so since this whole COVID pandemic began, the suicide rates and the anxiety rates have skyrocketed during the months when everyone was separated. Nobody could get together. We didn't worship together. We worship from home, and that's not God's plan. God says in Hebrews 13, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Worry and anxiety kicked in, suicide kicked in, and it's still happening. There's still those who live in fear, anxiety, and worry, and they won't get out. People said, have you changed your mind after having COVID? Absolutely not. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm going to live in victory. I'm not going to lick a doorknob or kiss somebody in the mouth who's got COVID. Kiss somebody in the mouth, lesser they my wife, first of all. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to live my life and know that we're more than conquerors, and I don't have any control over the number of days I have on this earth, and you don't either. When God says, make your times up, hallelujah, the best is yet to come when I see Jesus. So that word translated to cast or to give all your, some cool word studies in this passage today. It literally means to cast off, to throw off, to give it to God. It's the same word translated in Luke 19, when the people threw their coats over the donkey's back for Jesus to ride in, they cast those coats on the donkey. We need to throw off our coats. We gotta throw off our worries. We gotta throw off our anxieties and let the Lord be our burden bearer. Heard about a dude that was racing through an airport. And of you ever done that? I know, Chip, you travel a lot. You probably have had to do that many times, racing through an airport. I remember one time with a group of, of high school students on a mission trip, I forget which country we were going to, racing through George Bush Airport, wondering, all of my kids going to make it. I can't get on that plane until they're all there. But some of us have been there before. This dude was racing, and he passed a dude in a uniform, and he said, man, what's your problem? He said, I'm going to miss my flight. I'm in a hurry. I'm trying to catch flight number whatever. And the dude in the uniform said, man. I'm the pilot of that flight, you slow down, you're okay. When the pilot says you can chill out, you can chill out. When the pilot says he's in control, we can rest in that sovereignty. God our Father is perfectly and completely in control and nothing takes him by surprise. So if God is relaxed, I can relax, knowing that he's in control. Giving your worries to God, by the way, that's something active, it's not passive. I can't just say, God will give you my worries, take my worries, no, it's a choice day by day, Hour by hour, sometimes second by second, as Satan attacks us with spiritual warfare, it is an active choice. And when that happens, how do we defend that? Well, I think back to Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. You remember that passage of Scripture? Satan tempted him in this way, Jesus responded with Scripture. He tempted him in another way, Jesus responded with Scripture. That says to me that if Satan doesn't get you with one temptation, he'll keep on until he finds something else. And the only way to have victory is to respond back with it is written, the Word of God. I cannot do that if I've not hidden God's Word in my heart that I might not sin against Him. So, ladies and gentlemen, I declare to you this morning, you'll never have victory in Jesus until you've got some arrows in there that you can fire back at the devil. We'll get to that also in just a minute. So we can't have victory in Jesus if anxiety consumes us. Now, I don't have time to re-preach something I've already preached, but probably of any message I've preached since I've been the pastor of this church, the one that I had the most feedback on is when I preached on anxiety. And I shared my own personal testimony and my own battle with anxiety and depression. Something I had been taught was clearly a spiritual problem. If you have faith, you'll never have anxiety and depression. I had to learn firsthand that is a lie from the devil. I had to learn that firsthand. I, and so I said to you in that message, it's online, you can go back and listen to it if you want to. I'm tempted to preach all of it, but not going to do that. We should start with our heart first. When the anxiety and the worries come, let's start with our heart. Is everything okay between me and holy God? Is there any unconfessed sin in my life? Is there any area of my life that I'm not fully trusting the Lord? And if there is, I need to fix that. Is there sin in my heart or bitterness in my heart towards another believer? I need to fix that. That can cause anxiety. It can poison my heart. It can poison the church. But if I can check all those boxes and and, and say, God, as far as I know, my sins are confessed up. God, as far as I know, I'm serving you. I'm reading the Bible. I'm witnessing. I'm tithing. I'm keeping the temple of the Holy Spirit pure. I don't know what else to do. Then I would say to you, you ought to go to the doctor. At that point, you go to the doctor. Check your heart first, but there is a legit physical thing of chemical imbalance and things like that that take place. I submit you were too quick to run to the doctor without checking our heart first, so I got a little bit off track there. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. I love the simple teaching of Philippians. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then... Then, after I've prayed, after I've refused to worry, after I've given thanksgiving, then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. When it doesn't make sense, you got peace. When you find out a loved one is dying of cancer, it doesn't make sense, but God gives you peace. When you find out the child that you have loved is turned to spite. Doesn't make sense, but God gives you peace. The peace that passes all understanding. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As I live in submission to the lordship of Christ and under obedience to his word, then I can cast all of my worries and anxieties on the creator of the universe because verse 7 says he cares for us. Now, we care for each other. Matt says you are loved here as your pastor. I love every one of you. I have missed being here with you. You have so blessed. Our, on behalf of our staff, thank you for the many, many ways you've demonstrated your love to us. And Pastor Appreciation Month, listen, we, we all know we don't deserve to be anywhere serving the Lord. But we're so thankful we get to do that here. So on behalf of our staff, thank you for the way you've shown love to us. But if we to have victory in Jesus. We've got to be humble. We've got to refuse to have anxiety. And number three, God warns us to prepare for spiritual Warfare. God warns us to prepare for spiritual warfare. The greatest spiritual warfare I've ever experienced in my life personally is when I've preached on spiritual warfare. And when I preached on the family, it's undeniable in my ministry over the years, if I preach on the family, inevitably Satan wants to attack my family and say, are you going to live out what you say you believe? And when I preach on spiritual warfare, because the devil, he's happy with trick-or-treat, y'all. He's happy with witches and ghosts and devils and goblins. It's so cute. It ain't cute. God says that's nothing that we mess with. We don't, Devils are nothing to laugh at. Witches are nothing to laugh at. The scripture is very clear about that. We have trunk or treat. Now, you know, I I prefer to refer to today. You know what today is, historically, is Reformation Sunday. Today is the day that Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany, declaring, standing up against some heresy there. That's what today ought to be to us. We're going to celebrate today. We're going to love on our community. We're going to give out candy. And if they got on a a witch costume, we're going to hug them and love them anyway, because they don't know any better. If they look like a devil, we're going to hug them and love them anyway. Anyway, but for the believer, Satan wants you to think that stuff's cute. He wants you to think it's something to play with and not be serious about. Ladies and gentlemen, at the moment of your salvation, you had a gigantic target placed on your back. See, if you're you're already a child of the devil, he don't need to mess with you. He's already got you. But once you become a child of God, and over the years when I've talked to young men and young ladies who have surrendered to vocational ministry, I say, your target just got a thousand times bigger. You're a greater target for the devil. We don't say that to live in fear. We say that so that we walk circumspectly and realize the truth of God's Word. Because you ain't flying under the devil's radar. If if he doesn't get you with one temptation, he'll keep on until he gets another one. You're not flying under his radar. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I never read that verse of Scripture that I don't go back in my mind to Disney's— is it Disney or Pixar? The Lion King. Who likes The Lion King? My kids loved that movie when they were little, and I think they've remade it, actually, haven't they? Remember when Simba was just a little boy and his daddy had him do pouncing practice? He would crouch down in the bushes and practice pouncing on unsuspecting people. That's an accurate picture from the original language, what the devil does. He's crouching. He's waiting to pounce on you. He's waiting for somebody to devour. So verse nine says, stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. So we know in the jungle, lions attack those that are alone. They attack the weak, and they attack the sickly. I feel like I've lived that out for the last few weeks as one who has been sickly. They choose victims who are alone, or they're not alert. They're all alone. That's why we need each other. That's why quarantine and separation was so hard on us. God wants us to do life together. We're not meant to do this Christian life alone. So Peter warned them, and he warns us that when you're suffering, you better intensify your prayer life. When you're suffering, you better gather people around you who will pray for you and encourage you through that thing, because when you feel helpless and alone, you're most vulnerable for the attacks of the wicked one. So we saw that in the temptations of Jesus to have scripture in our heart to respond to him. You're not alone. You've got a family of God. At the moment of your salvation, God placed you in a family, the family of God. I don't want to ever embarrass people. I met a sweet, precious lady this morning visiting our church for the first time, and she said, you know Mark and Cindy Gentry? I said, I sure do. They're dear friends of ours. Mark pastors over in the Savannah area. She said, I just moved here, and they recommended that I come to your church. That's a family that I know I can count on to pray for me and to hold me accountable. We need each other. I hadn't seen Mark and Cindy in years. Her mother passed away. I loved her mother. She was a... a a, a very fun character i'll just leave it at that one of the funniest women i've ever known i didn't get to go to her funeral because of covid and all of that but the family of god we need each other i ain't seen them in forever but it blessed me when this dear lady said mark and cindy told me to come here james chapter 4 and verse number 7 is one of the first verses i ever memorized as a brand new christian at the age of 15. My Sunday school teacher's name was Martha Jane Laporte. To this day, Mrs. Laporte was the best Sunday school teacher I've ever had in my life. She's still alive, I believe in her 90s now. And she challenged us teenagers to memorize James four seven. It says, humble yourselves before God, King James says, submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Satan knows our weaknesses, he observes us, he knows our temptations, but he can't read my mind. So I just say that stuff out loud. She taught us, say it out loud, devil, I resist you in the name of Jesus. I'm living under the authority of God's Word. I resist you, not in my own power, because I have none, but in the power of the Most High God, you got to flee and get off of me, and on the authority of God's Word, he must do that, ladies and gentlemen. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6 if you will, I'm going to avoid the temptation to preach this whole passage, but I at least must read it to you. If we're going to be dressed for battle, we ought to put on the pieces of the armor every single morning of our life. We can't afford to go one day without doing what Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. We've seen through sickness and COVID and cancer and heart disease and all that many of us have faced, our bodies are frail and weak. We don't have power on our own, but be strong in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor, not just some of it, so you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. I already mentioned the the fascination of Americans with with witches and devils and ghosts, and it's cute, and we make fun of it, make light of it. And I'm telling you, on the authority of God's Word, you're, you're playing with fire when you do that. The majority of Americans in opinion polls say we believe in angels. Some people even mistakenly pray to angels. That's unbiblical. It's nowhere in the Bible to pray to an angel or to pray to a saint. We pray to Jesus and Jesus alone. But many, most people, see, I believe in angels, but many people deny the existence of demons. Why is that? Now, I would say in the Baptist church, we don't talk about it a whole lot, do we? And I think one of the reasons is some denominations have gone so far to the extreme about demons, it's made Baptists a little anxious, we better not talk about that, people will think we're a fanatic. Well, listen, I want to preach the full counsel of God. If you believe in angels, you better believe there's a such thing as demons. And I would submit to you, again, I hate to keep getting off track, but uh, I got COVID, I'll use that as my excuse, okay? if you—there's if, if you a such thing, I've already said this, as mental illness, no question about it. I personally lived through depression and anxiety for no reason that I could put my finger on. And I believe God's will—God's design, He allowed that to be on purpose in my life, so that I would stop telling people it's a spiritual problem. You couldn't convince me of that I had to live it myself. So that I could minister to one in my own family who went through anxiety. Depression, anorexia, and all those things—I had to learn firsthand that stuff is real. But I would also submit to you some things we call mental illness today. In my opinion, I can't prove it; it's from my opinion. I think it could be demon possession. Now, I know that sounds radical for a Baptist preacher to say that. Don't go pointing the finger and saying somebody's demon possessed. But are, are we still living in the same world that he? That he wrote this too? Were there possessed people in Scripture? I, I think sometimes when these multiple personalities come out, I just have to wonder. I'm not saying emphatically, that's just me wondering out loud. We cannot have victory in our own strength, so we got to get dressed. Verse 13. Therefore, because of that, put on every piece of God's armor so we'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. He doesn't say if, because it's coming. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. What is the belt of truth? And the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. The most important thing we can do is pray. Our next cottage prayer meeting will be next uh, Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock, I think, at Alan and Yvonne Berry's home. Am I right about that? It's the next Sunday afternoon. If there's ever been a time we need to pray, church, we need to pray. Why is it in any church I've ever been a member of, one of the smallest gatherings tends to be at a prayer gathering? It's like we think we can do stuff in the works of the flesh without praying and expect God to bless it. I'm not saying people who don't come are not praying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just saying there's something special about corporate prayer. When you pray, you're not talking to me. I get that. But I love to eavesdrop. I love to hear people pray. Sometimes in our prayer group, Anita Wilson will write out her prayer and send to all of us in our prayer ministry. If you're not a part of our prayer ministry, see Katrina Bishop, who right now is in the prayer room, in the furnace room, praying for us. And be added to that prayer team. Anita will write out some of the most beautiful prayers. Now, she's saying that to the Lord, but it blesses the preacher's heart when I get to read that. So, we got to put on the full armor of God. The belts I do this every morning. Now, I say every morning. I may slip up. I may feel bad, I may forget, but I try to put on the pieces of the armor, every. the belt of truth. God, I put on your belt of truth. I don't want to operate in falsehood, I don't want to operate in lies or innuendo. Your truth, the belt of the of the Roman soldiers, um, his belt held everything else together. It's the truth of God's Word that holds us together. And then God, i to put on the breastplate of your righteousness, the body armor, this translation says. You can't pierce that body armor, and it's not my righteousness, because what does the Bible say about our righteousness? It's like filthy, nasty rags. But I, we are dressed in his righteousness and his righteousness alone and this is put on the shoes of the gospel of peace so that wherever I go, I'm a messenger of the gospel, and I declare the truth and the peace that only comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. And then he says, we hold up the shield of faith by which we deflect those fiery darts of the devil, because he's chunking them, he's throwing them, and if you're not putting on the full armor of God, boy, the, those things are going to attack you. But when you hold up the shield of faith, they must bounce off. And I just pray this in the morning, God, I pray you protect me physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. Protect me in every way from the attacks of the devil, because I want to walk in victory. And then he says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's our only offensive weapon. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, Jesus demonstrated that for us in His time of temptation, and that's the way you and I fight back. And then he says, and pray always. you got to be praying about everything always. we got to realize spiritual warfare is real, and if we don't, you're a sitting duck for the attacks of the enemy, and you'll never walk in victory. And I got to roll. Number four, God promises us, Pastor Matt said it earlier, I say it all the time, God promises us what? Say it out loud with me, that the you really believe that? Because y'all didn't say it like you believe it. So let's just act like we never did it. We're gonna say it one more time: God won't, promises us that the, the best is yet to come. and it is. If this world was all there was, I think I said to Brother Dole this morning, I'd have given up a long time ago. But the best is yet to come. Look at 1 Peter chapter five, and verse ten, in His kindness. I want you to chew on this. We're talking about suffering. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So after you've suffered a little while, it's God's kindness that lets us suffer. Because that suffering draws us to greater dependency on Jesus and His Lordship. So after you've suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you, and He'll place you on a firm foundation. All power to Him forever and ever, amen. When we're suffering, we feel like that pain's forever. When we're suffering and we're focused on our own circumstances and our own situation, we see no way out. We think this is going to be the end of us. It's going to be our undoing. And He's saying the best is yet to come. We have no reason to be despondent. Now, most people in the world, quite frankly, they ought to be despondent. They need to be despondent if they don't know the Lord. Because there is no hope apart from him, Pastor Matt said earlier. There's no hope apart from him. Peter reminds these faithful Christians that in comparison to eternity, any suffering you and I have right now, the deepest hurts you can imagine, it's only a speck compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. To the audience that Peter wrote this letter to, some of those experienced deliverance from their suffering in their lifetime. Others experienced deliverance through death. They were set free from their suffering through death. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So every faithful follower of Jesus Christ is assured of His eternal glory, endless and joy where there is no suffering. Absolutely the best is yet to come. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 12. And I always like to add, "I, I believe with every fiber of my being not only is the best yet to come for the child of God, the best is yet to come for Airline Baptist Church. We stand on that truth. We believe that truth. If we don't believe that truth let's fold up our tents and go home the best is yet to come for airline baptist church first peter chapter 5 and verse 12 paul says i've written and sent this short letter to you it's a short letter but it's sure taken me a long time to preach it happening it? with the help of silas whom i commend to you as a faithful brother my purpose in writing is to encourage you we're suffering there's a worldwide pandemic inflation is crazy He writes to encourage you and assure you that what you're experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. Your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings. It's so great for me to to meet with other pastors in the area and pray together, and we encourage each other. We're all on the same team. I'm so thankful for the family of God here in our city. He says the churches encourage each other. Stand firm in this grace. Your sister church here in Babylon sends your greetings. And so does my son Mark. Greet each other with a kiss of love. Peace be with all of you who are in Christ. Well, you know, different social customs in different places, right? We, we do a handshake, and then COVID came along, we did a fist bump. Brother Pete, when you go to Moldova, do they kiss a lot in Moldova? I know when I go to Brazil, it's customary, especially with the older ladies, to, to just kiss on the cheek. So I was there one time by myself. I went to preach a revival for a week. And of course, you're kissing all the old ladies. I get back home and one of the first things I did was kiss a little old lady in our church. I nearly expired when I realized what I did. I didn't seem to faze her, but it scared me to death. I thought, Lord, another pervert preacher. They'll be talking about me because I kissed one of the old ladies in the church. But it's just cultural. He's saying, show love, show affection, encourage one another. At one time, now this dude, Peter, run, he denied the Lord three times. He knew about defeat, he knew about discouragement, he knew about forgiveness, and he's saying, we can be encouraged, the best is yet to come." And as he was writing this, remember the evil um, emperor Nero, he was really cranking up that persecution. And Peter had learned from his own mistakes to have hope in troubled times. That's the theme of this whole series. By the way, next week, we just jump right into second Peter. We're going to keep going through Peter. He encourages believers who are facing persecution to stand firm. and this is a man who lived by that. It wasn't just words that he wrote, because you know from history, he was crucified upside down for his faith. He was a martyr for the faith. He said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. You crucify me upside down. Those who truly stand for Christ will be persecuted. Why? Because this world is not our home. This world's controlled by Satan and his minions. And if the devil didn't bother you, you must not be much of a threat to him. But when you're doing something for Jesus, he's going to turn up the attacks. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Thank God for that victory in jesus he is our savior forever he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me before i ever knew him and all my love is due him he plunged me to what victory beneath the cleansing flood that's our savior that's our power and that's our hope look at number one on your conclusion is your life characterized by humility or by arrogance it's the opposite it's either humility or it's arrogance I heard a preacher say one time, he didn't go to a lot of preacher meetings, he said some preachers are so prideful they can strut sitting down. I've been around folks like that before, have you? If we want the victory in Jesus, God's never going to bless arrogance, it's got to be humility under the authority and the Lordship of Christ and His Word. Number two, do you allow worry and anxiety to consume you? Do you allow that mess to consume you? I've already confessed, I've dealt with it, I've been depressed. And even in this season of COVID and being away from my church, I've had those thoughts and those attacks from the devil in my brain. He comes after us when we're weak and when we're sick. If I'm not walking in the authority of God's Word, I could have just let him devour me and lay in my bed and be miserable some more today. But it's time to get up and declare the victory we have in Jesus and walk in that victory. Don't allow worry and anxiety to consume you. Number three, will you suit up for spiritual warfare every morning? Will you suit up for spiritual warfare every morning? And the opposite of that is true. If you don't, you are a sitting duck for the attacks of the devil. Put on the pieces of the armor of God. I believe I shared with you before, one of the greatest sermons I ever heard was by Dr. Charles Stanley, and his title was, How to Get Dressed in the Shower. Well, that was an attention-getting title for that sermon, and this is what he preached. He gets dressed in the shower every morning with the pieces of the armor. And number four, are you certain the best is yet to come for you? Are you certain that the best is yet to come for you? Man, when you're certain of that, there's such a joy. You know, so many of you blessed us, you texted us, you prayed for us, you sent us cards, but we got the sweetest card from Fred and Flora Wade last week. That's a man that was on the doorstep of death. With COVID, but he still had the peace of God that passes all understanding so much to me brother Fred that you wrote that and sent that to me he's, he said I believe God's not done with me And he's not because there he sits right now this morning greater is Jesus that is in us than he that is in the world We need each other y'all. Let's give each other the benefit of the doubt We're the family of God. We're the church of the living God. Let's stick together Let's not be divided Let's line up under the authority of the Lordship of Christ and let's show a skeptical world. They're skeptical. They've seen enough mess from church Churches. They're skeptical. Let them see a church that will line up under the lordship of Christ and march forward victory in Christ and Christ alone. If you're not sure that the best is yet to come, you must not know Jesus. Either you don't know Jesus or you put your eyes on your circumstances. I was talking to Miss Pat this morning who buried three family members in recent weeks, but here she is, worshiping the Lord, smile on her face, the joy of the Lord, hurting, yes, grieving, tears, yes. But we know when we know Jesus, the best is yet to come. Pray with me, church. Father, we are desperate for you. We realize that all of our goodness, all of our smarts, all of our wisdom and wise counsel wadded up together is nothing compared to the inerrant, infallible, authoritative Word of God. God, remind us we have no reason for pride or arrogance Because apart from you, we can literally do nothing. My heart doesn't beat another time if you don't want it to. We don't draw another breath that you don't give it to us. So God, help us to live in the awareness of our complete dependency upon you. God help us to come together as the family of God. Thank you, Lord, for so many saints who will be on this hill later this afternoon. Not because they're bored and don't have anything else to do, but because they love Jesus and we love our community. Lord, may we always be a church that is truly Christ-driven and community-focused. I pray for hundreds that will come on this campus this afternoon. They'll have fun, snow cones and cotton candy and games. But God, I pray they sense Jesus on this place. When they come on this sacred hill, Lord Jesus, may they know there's something different about this place. May they know there's something different about these people. Because we're a people who love you. We're a people who are desperate for you. We're a people who need you, who want to demonstrate the victory that is yours alone. God, so many are discouraged. I pray your word this morning and your Holy Spirit would encourage. Later on in the week, if somebody downloads this or listens to it, God bless them, encourage them by your word, not by a preacher, but by your truth. Lord, for those who are unsure of their relationship with you, the thought of death, the thought of getting a disease terrifies them because they don't know what's going to happen to them if they die. God, I'm so thankful for the truth of your word. You love the world so much, John 3:16, that you gave your only begotten son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting, eternal life. Thank you that you purchased that victory when you died on that cross in our place. We who are sinners deserve to be on that cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you died in my place. You died because of my sin, for my sin and because of my sin. We're thankful that our great I Am came marching out of that tomb and left it empty in victory so that normal, ordinary folks like us can walk in victory as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Thank you for that victory. I pray someone embrace that victory today. God, hear our prayers not because we're worthy, but because we serve the one who is. God, I pray folks would just come and beg you to intervene this afternoon. And give us opportunities to share your glorious gospel with our community today. Lord, may we pray for one another. May we pray for the hurting. Lord, help us to have each other's back. Not to be tail bearers, but to realize we're the family of God. We love you. We thank you that the victory is already won in Jesus, and it's His name we pray, amen and amen. Everybody all right? You know that victory I'm talking about, y'all got that victory? If you do, let's stand together and worship from a position of victory that's already guaranteed. We're not worshiping to get it, we already got it. You want to come and pray for a lost friend or family member? You do that. You need one of our pastors to talk with you or pray with you, come and let them talk with you or pray with you. Whatever you need this morning, Jesus is. You come right now as we sing.
3: Lord, I come and I confess bowing here I find my rest without you I fall
4: Amen. Don't we need him? Whew. Every hour of every day. Amen. Hey, we're just so excited. Y'all be seated in just a second. Got a few quick things I need. And while I'm doing this, Tammy, you come over here next to me. All right. Couple of announcements before Tammy makes it over here. First, today is Trunk or Treat Day. Amen? Trunk or treat. We're going to start today at 4:30. Okay, over here be here invite your friends invite your neighbors invite some folks to come and take part because we do have mainly we got a lot of trunks but we got more treats okay a lot of candy hot dogs cotton candy popcorn and who knows what all else some of the trunks I can't wait to see them I've heard a little bit of talk and uh, even if you don't have kids it's gonna be worth you riding by just looking and see what's going on okay so be here today for that at 4 30 if you've got a trunk and you want to set it up we said two but look we're gonna have a marked off uh, Kevin and I'll have them marked in a little bit if you need to come early to get your trunk fixed you just come on okay go grab your McDonald's or something and come back and uh, they'll be ready for you okay good thing next Sunday afternoon at five o'clock Preacher mentioned a little while ago, cottage prayer meeting at Alan and Yvonne Berry's house. I would tell you their address, but I don't know it. It's over there. <laughs> we'll put it in the bulletin, and uh, if, you, if you don't know, call, but 5 o'clock, be there for that. Always a good, uh, good sweet time. Okay? And now, Miss Tammy, she's got a quick word she's going to share about the ladies' Christmas tea.
5: Good morning. Um, I was meeting with Anita about this Christmas tea the other day, and I told her, you know, some ladies, especially new people at the church, may not know what the Christmas tea is. We don't drink tea. Um, It's a nice meal and a nice night and an outreach opportunity for you to invite people who are unchurched. Maybe they're saved and they're just not in a church, or maybe they're unsaved, which is even better that you can invite them. We have a nice meal, we have a speaker, music, and we need ladies to host tables. And what a hostess actually means too, that was the second thing. The only thing you're responsible for is you come in there and you decorate a table nicely and you can invite some friends. If you can't put people to your table, we'll find people for you. It's $15 a piece for the tickets or $90 for the table. So you can ask your guests to pay, or you can pay for the table. Or if you need someone to sponsor, we can find someone to sponsor the table. But I just wanted to make sure everyone understood what a Christmas tea was, because I told her, you know, when you hear Christmas tea, you might not understand that. So we would love to have some more ladies sponsor a table and be a hostess for the table. And it is a fun night of, of just ladies fellowship. So, thank you. Thank
4: you, Tammy. And that date was what, December the what?
5: December
4: the 11th. At, at what? Six o'clock, December the 11th. All right, good deal. Hey, this is good time now. Doug and Kim, come on up, okay? And this sweet girl here, I'm Adeline. Adeline. Listen, it is always good to have people to come, and uh, we're just so excited this morning that Doug and Kim are coming to join us. And listen. <laughs> Amen and I'll take that as a yes. Amen. And that's how easy that is, y'all. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all being with us. And listen, uh, holler at them on the way out. Uh, Let them know you love them. And, you know, we used to do that right-hand of fellowship thing. And, you know, that's kind of a, that's another one of those things. We just got to get past all that. Amen. All right. Look, love y'all. Thank y'all for being here today. It's going to be a great day. Run, grab something to eat, come back and, uh, don't miss out on Trunk or Treat tonight, okay? Let's stand as we have a word of prayer, as we go. All right. Everybody good? Hearts minds clear and all that good stuff? Amen. Let's pray together. God, we love you and we thank you so much for this day and this time together. God, thank you for the worship today. Thank you for the message. Thank you for these dear ones. God, this family came and joined our fellowship today. Lord, we love you and just look forward to what you're doing in this place. God, we thank you for your love. Thank you, God, for using us. Pray there would ever be the lighthouse to those in our community. That God didn't know this is a place of love. This is a place of hope. God, this is a place where peace can be found in that eternal home. God, be secured, God, because we're going to tell people about the gospel. We're going to tell people about the good news of your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us. Bless this day. Bless us, God, as we seek to serve you as our prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen.
0: I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you
6: up, so there's nothing I can do.